You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. IFC is the first channel entirely dedicated to presenting independent culture, unedited and commercial free. Get immersed in our films, original series, and docs. And don't miss our exclusive content at IFC.com. IFC, always commercial free and uncut. Hey, this is Dan Savage, and you've successfully downloaded another installment of the Savage Lovecast, the not-quite-live-but-totally-out-loud version of my weekly sex advice column, Savage Love. Although it's not really a version of Savage Love, it's just more of the same sort of bullshit about sex from the same asshole who writes Savage Love, because it's a totally different question stream uh, than Savage Love, which comes via email. These questions come via the telephone 206-201-2720 is the number if you want to call and record a question for this or a future podcast well not for this one because we're recording right now uh and you download this every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage let's get right to your calls there are lots of them hi dan um my boyfriend and i have a question for you he's convinced that people really do have sex in their armpits that this is a fairly common way for teenagers to screw um, is to do it in the armpit. And I think that's an urban legend. And I was trying to Google it, and there's nothing about it much besides ingest. Um, one thing that's serious about armpit fucking says that women actually enjoy the sensation, the sticky feeling, which I also think is an urban legend. Could you clear this up for us? Yeah, I think I could clear this up for you. Actually, I think your boyfriend could clear this up for you. If he's utterly convinced that this happens, that armpit sex happens, and then he tells you that teenagers do it, I'm thinking that he probably did it when he was a teenager because he liked it. And maybe his girlfriend or girlfriends at the time came to like it too, hence his being convinced that women really like the sensation uh, of armpit sex. You know, maybe your boyfriend's trying to tell you he's an armpit fetishist. I don't know how long you two have been together. So either he has an armpit fetish that he's trying to tell you about, or he's had some past experience. Maybe he was terrorized by abstinence educators, and his girlfriends were terrorized by abstinence educators, and they wanted to preserve their virginities at all costs. So they fucked anything they could that, you know, could possibly press down on his dick. You know, you can put your dick between somebody's legs, squeeze them together, called the Princeton rub. Uh, and and fuck away at their damp thighs and have an orgasm. You can also do it under the armpits. You can do it in the fold of the neck. You can do it with titty fucking. You can do it anywhere. You can press a little bit of flesh together. Do it behind the knee. Uh, and so uh, I'm thinking he has some experience with this, which is why he's utterly convinced. So whatever you're finding on Google and however unconvincing you find it, I find your boyfriend's certitude about it very convincing. It does happen. He did it. And uh, he needs to come clean. Hi, Dan. My name is Peter. Um, I have a question more so as sort of a, an ongoing issue with, with me. I'm not really sure exactly what it is that uh, always seems to lead me into probably something that a lot of people have, but I only seem to really fall for girls that are kind of crazy. Um, and I don't mean, you know, in a, in a clinical sense, but I just mean like there are women out there that when I come across them for some reason the chemistry, I don't know if I can literally smell their crazy pheromones or what, but... I'm never really drawn to, like, normal women that would probably actually be good for me. And as a result, I don't really enjoy sex with women uh, at all <laughs> unless I can actually feel pretty passionate about them. 
now, that doesn't necessarily make me all that different from anybody else. So I'm just curious about your thoughts on that and uh, whether or not you want to address that. There's one of two things going on here. If you're constantly picking crazy fucked up girls uh, to be with, either you have a sort of a prince charming fireman police officer rescue complex where you want to save some woman from her dysfunctions and set her on her feet. And, uh, you know, you picture yourself as, you know, the avenging hero coming in and repairing whatever damage uh, she suffered with your dick repairing it. Uh, Or you pick fucked up girl after fucked up girl after fucked up girl because you have totally cliche, totally boring. We have to talk about it all the time because it totally happens and it's totally exhausting. Cliche, hetero, male, fear of intimacy, bullshit, crapola, annoying nonsense where you pick fucked up girl after fucked up girl after fucked up girl because you don't want to be in a long-term relationship. And by choosing only fucked up people to, to, be, to get involved with, you know subconsciously that all these relationships are going to end. And when they end, you won't even have to take responsibility for their demise because you can blame her each and every time, blame the next woman and the next one and the next one for being a crazy bitch. And that's why it didn't work out and you couldn't be with her. So you have to decide, you know, you have to look inside, maybe talk to your friends and get some perspective on which it is. Either you want to be Prince Charming and save somebody or you don't want to be with anybody. So you keep keep picking crazy bitches because, you know, it won't last. If it's the former, if you're Prince Charming, you know, that's good. There are people who need to be rescued. Love isn't chemotherapy. It's not going to cure anybody. It's not going to really save anybody. But, you know, there are people who need to be rescued, people who have damage, who get better because they have a relationship with somebody who is compassionate and tender and really wants to help them. And, you know, even if you're drawn to them in part because they're fucked up, doesn't mean the relationship has to be fucked up. If it's the latter, if you don't want to be with anybody and you pick person after person after person because you know the relationship will end, well, then just embrace that you don't want to be with anybody. And let go of the crazy thing. You know, just be single uh, and date and tell people that you're not interested in anything over the long term. And then women who aren't interested in anything over the long term will be drawn to you. And there are women out there who aren't interested in the long term either. Uh, but you got to pick one, one or the other. You have to commit to one, one or the other. You're Prince Charming or you're an asshole. Hey, Dan. Uh, I just called because, uh, let's see, I've been in a relationship for about a year and a half now. Both of us are pretty young both gay, male, whatever, and, I mean, it's my first relationship, it's his second, and we've been very close-knit for a long time, and it's, like, to the point of, like, you know, calling two times a day if we don't see each other, you know, kind of, in a way, if it was anyone else, like, if it was another relationship, people might think it was, like, psycho or something, but, I don't know, it seems to work for both of us, but what's happened now is, recently, we've both been transitioning, uh, one of us is, one of us moved to another state, and the other is going to be going off to another college, and we'll be about three hours away, but we had figured stuff out with that, but during the interim, uh, we both don't really have, we both don't really have a place where we can, like, meet and just relax, and so my boyfriend decided that he just wanted some space, um, and, you know, like, just not worry about it, just be single for a summer and see what happens. I'm more or less complacent about it, and I kind of just have accepted it, and that's fine. Um, I kind of don't really have any qualms about it, like, as it is, we're both young. But my question is, what is, what would you determine the rules of space to be? Okay, Kyle, I just listened to your question, and I decided to give you a call, uh, because I had a couple follow-up questions. Uh, How old are you and your boyfriend? 
Um, I'm 22, and he's 20. Okay, and you've been together for a year and a half. Yeah. And you're sort of psycho-attached, you said, basically. People look at you um, and think, oh, my God, they're Siamese fags. Well, not not so bad, but, like, we definitely – I know for a fact that we definitely, like, you know, call each other more than most couples that I am aware of, like – it's at least two times a day, if not more. Okay, so you want us to know what the rules of space are, because, you know, he's moved away, he's going to college somewhere else, you're a few hours away, you're not living in the same states anymore, you don't see each other that often anymore, and he, sa he said he wanted to be single for a while. Yeah, kind of. Well, that sounds to me like a breakup. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm kind of realizing that, but it's kind of strange, too, because... Because uh, you're so attached for so long. But when yeah, somebody says, you know, I want my space, what they're saying is I want to put training wheels on this breakup and ride it around for a while and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to take the training wheels off and you're going to be broken up. You know, it's basically a transitioning out of the relationship with as little sort of confrontation as possible. Because what's going to happen is three, six months later, you're both going to acknowledge what actually happened six months ago, which is that you kind of broke up. Okay, and it's so basically... Or, I'm sorry. No, I just think it's a, you know, and it's not a bad thing. You know, it's a way of sort of easing out of a relationship often. You know, maybe this isn't the case here. Maybe, you know, I've known other people who were had long-distance relationships for a while and officially declared it off and then got back together when circumstances brought them back together. But usually what happens is it's a way of sort of not acknowledging what is actually happening so that there won't be a big blow-up and that you can stay friends and keep calling each other, and, and, and always be buddies. And then maybe, you know, if circumstance brings you together in two or three more years or a year from now, you know, because you didn't have a big, ugly, knockdown, drag-out, blow-out, blow-out, break-up, because you had a, like, let's give each other some space, because you had a putting training wheels on the break-up and calling it something else for a while, break-up, there won't be a lot of really hurt feelings and a lot of ugly scenes that get in the way of, if circumstance brings you back together, of you guys getting back together. So it's, I don't think anything horrible has happened or anything really dishonest. No, I, I don't think so either. But I do think this is, you know, people when they talk about giving each other space and it's a long-distance thing, I think there's a lot of euphemisms being employed to hide from the fact that it's officially over. Should I just confront him on that? Because it's really not, for me, it's never been a thing of, you know, oh, my God, you know, freak out. It's been more of a, just be honest with me. But yeah, you should confront him if you know there's no better word to use. You should just have a discussion with him and say, you know, let's let's stop pussyfooting around. Let's you know be friends. Let's see where we both are in another year or two. Let's hang out when we see each other. Maybe fuck when we see each other for old time's sake. But like officially, I guess we're broken up, right? And if you okay. say that to him, he'll probably say, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't ruin your day. Well, not really. I, it's it's always sad. I don't know. It's kind of been. I'm yeah. I'm pretty. I'm kind of torn up about it. But it's like one of those things where you just have to deal with it because no matter how like acting sad about it is just pathetic. And I mean, as far as as far as how I deal with this person, like that's not going to make him like me more. Right. And so. And it may be important for you to do this. It may be really important for you to do this because it sounds like. The whole arrangement you've got with him right now is his idea, and the terms were sort of dictated by him. And he's probably off. Is that true? 
What do you mean? Well, like I the mean, shape of your of... agreement right now is sort of dictated by him. Like he's the one who said he needed space and time off. Yeah. Okay. So what's probably happening is wherever he is, he's sort of like functioning emotionally, and not in a betrayal way, just emotionally, as if the relationship's over. Mm. Like he's sort of probably reconc- You know, he's probably thinking it's a breakup, whereas you're still thinking that it's not quite a breakup yet. And so you yeah. need to make that separation so that you can start to conduct yourself where you are now as the single person that he's probably conducting himself as where he is now. Okay. Yeah, because so I get a lot of, because I, I mean, I've asked him about it, and he's like, and he gives me a lot of, I don't know. And I, People know. And I'm sorry. People, yeah, and people see, that's, know. Uh, yeah. Nobody, nobody doesn't um, know whether or not they're broken up or not. Nobody okay. doesn't know whether they want the relationship to continue or not. When somebody okay. says, I don't know, to that question, it's like somebody being asked if they're gay and saying they don't want to discuss their private life. Like, no straight person ever says that. Somebody who you're with, who you're dating, and you say, are we together or are we not? And they say, I don't know. It means you're not together anymore. Okay. I'm sorry okay. to be the bearer of sad news. Who knows? Well, good luck. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Hey, Dan, this is Steve from upstate New York. Uh, well, I'm a heterosexual male, and I enjoy giving oral. But it made me start wondering what what uh, diseases, or I guess infections, are uh, transmitted orally these days. Um, so if you could uh, enlighten me on that, or enlighten all of us on that, I'd appreciate it. What diseases or infections are transmitted orally these days? All of them. All of them. They're all transmitted orally. You can get oral gonorrhea. You can get oral syphilis. You can get herpes X, Y, and Z of all varieties all over your body. Um, You can even get HIV orally. There have been cases of oral transmission um, from female to male, I presume, certainly from male to male. Uh, You know, sex carries risk. uh, And STIs, sexually transmitted infections, are a risk. Chlamydia, you can get chlamydia. You can get, you know, you can probably get bubonic plague, technically, if there's a flea. Uh, in a place where there shouldn't be a flea and it leaps from her bush to your face. Um, I'm not sure what you're going to do with this information. I don't want to scare you off oral sex. Uh, God forbid that I should scare a straight guy who really digs oral off uh, performing oral on the lucky ladies that he sleeps with. But you do have to be willing to shoulder the risk, assume the risk, uh, behave responsibly. If you do find that you have a sexually transmitted infection, or you suspect that you do, you need to go get treated for it. Uh, You need to have regular STI screenings. You can get uh, a syphilitic sore in your throat and not be able to see it. Uh, And so you need, if you're having sex with multiple partners whose health status you're not certain of, you need to get regular STI screenings. Even if you're not, you should probably get regular STI screenings. And you need to accept that there are certain STIs that uh, for which there's no cure, that are uh, part of the risk of being a sexually active uh, adult, that come with being a sexually active adult, just like car crashes and plane crashes are part of the risk of being an adult who travels. Uh, you know, you can't get up on a mountain and ski without assuming some risk. Um, so you need to not be a big baby about it, not be a big pussy about it. And uh, I mean, a strong, uh, a strong brave, I need you to be a strong, brave pussy about it, not a, a, a wimpy, uh, you know, dick about it. We have a letter about a call from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, somebody called in and said that they had read in a book about 
some special club or bar in Japan where I hope well-paid Japanese girls eat nothing but bananas for six or seven days and then crap out this banana paste that then um, excited Japanese men uh, wolf down. Uh, somebody wrote in to, to let us know that the, the guy couldn't remember the name of the book and I couldn't find it. He called The guy called the book The Pink Panther. And uh, John writes in to say, the poo-eating enthusiast from Lovecast number 40 uh, says he read about it in a book titled The Pink Panther. The name of the book is actually Pink Samurai, and you can get it at Amazon.com. So you're all invited to go get that book. I'm going to steer the fuck clear of that book. We have a little bit of feedback for the girl uh, who's got a controlling mom who wouldn't let her go camping with her boyfriend in Florida, even though she wanted to go with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's whole family, even though the boyfriend's mother called the girl's mother to tell her that she'd keep an eye on them. Uh, And all of this, even though the girl's 18 and legally an adult. A little bit of feedback for her first via email. Dan, I wanted to thank you so much for your reply to the girl with the crazy mom who wouldn't let her go to Florida. I was in a relationship with a guy with a similar parent for almost two years, and the whole time we were dating, his mom was trying to break us up and manipulate him into not seeing me. She's a fundamentalist Christian, and I'm Jewish. That proved to be a problem. Like you said, she had a problem with everything and was definitely a child throwing a temper tantrum, getting everything she wanted from her family, the only people this woman was around by choice, just for raising her voice and shedding a few crocodile tears. Anyway, I think you did the right thing, telling this poor girl that if she didn't move out and stand up for herself, her mom would be hassling her forever and that the mom was ruining their relationship. I wish my ex was strong enough to do uh, to tell his bitch mother to butt the fuck out too, just like you said. Really, thank you. Uh, I wish I could have played that podcast for him. So obviously, mom succeeded in breaking these two up. Uh, but we have another perspective for the girl whose mom wouldn't let her go to Florida. Hello, Dan. I absolutely adore your column and your love, cast. And I'm calling in response to your response to a caller. I think it was on episode 37. It was a girl whose parents are really controlling. And I was just calling to say that I was that girl, and I completely sympathize. And your advice was spot on, um, and I got that advice all through my life. Um, but I just wanted to add that there are those of us, I mean, your advice was, like, perfect and completely normal, but there really are people for whom, like, we just can't follow that advice for one reason or another. Either we're conflict avoided or our parents really just are that crazy or whatever the reason. Um, if you can't follow Dan's advice, I would just say, like, hold on to hope. I promise you it will get better. I'm 25 years old now, and, um, you know, I was in that situation until I was 21, and I graduated from college and I moved out. But it was completely worth it because my parents helped me pay for college, went to a good school, got a good job when I graduated, moved to a big city, I'm on my own. And, you know, I still keep in touch with my parents. They have a great relationship now. And, like, they still don't approve of everything I do, but I still do whatever the hell I want to do, um, which is fantastic. So I promise you, if you can just suck it up and deal, I know it's blows, I know it's no fun, um, but it will get better. And it's totally worth it if they're paying for college especially. Um, you can really improve your quality of life when you graduate and move out. So um, thank you for everything, Dan, and good luck. That concludes this uh, installment of the Savage Lovecast. The uh, tech-savvy at-risk youth are laughing at me. 206-201-2720 is the phone number if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast. Please include a callback number in case we want to uh, get back with you about any details. Uh, we promise not to broadcast your 
phone number. You download the podcast every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. And I hope you keep reading Savage Love every week in the papers where it appears. And we'll be back with another Savage Love cast next week. IFC is the first channel entirely dedicated to presenting independent culture, unedited and commercial free. Go to IFC.com for more info. IFC, always commercial free and uncut.